What about Vietnam? A podcast with Gary Newsom. The series where Gary talks with travelers about their experiences and adventures. Find out more about Vietnam from the people who have actually been there. What about Vietnam? Whether it's adventure, exploring the culture and cuisine, shopping, or just soaking up the sun. Let Carrie and her travellers pave the way for a magical holiday in Vietnam. Vin Chow and welcome to What About Vietnam. Today we're going to talk about a beachside location called the Condau Islands. Now, when you start Googling and researching for a beachside stay, there's a lot of options in Vietnam. You've got a coastline 3,200 kilometers long to choose from. Now, but these islands are quite remote. They're a cluster of 16 islands to to be uh, factual. Uh, They are, I think, a less than hour flight out of Ho Chi Minh City. But the island or the Konson Island, which is the main one in the group, uh, is very isolated and very raw in the sense that there's not a lot of touristy stuff to do. So, you know, if you do want a very chilled out stay, this is definitely the location. If you're looking for a, a very luxurious stay, there are some absolutely beautiful resorts there. Uh, but even if you're just looking to do some snorkeling, do some nice swimming, lay on the beach, read a good book, and you really want to get away from the the hubba 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 of, of the world, this would definitely be my pick for you. Connor Kelly is my guest uh, on the show today to talk about Condau. He did a trip with some friends um, very recently, and he really enjoyed it. And I think what you're going to get from this is some insights into just what he expected or didn't expect or was a little bit surprised about. You know, there is a a prison there with a museum and, you know, regretfully there's a quite a brutal past to that prison. So, you know, when you you do want to to go and check out some history on the island, um, that will definitely come up. But as I said, quite a brutal past and uh, something to, you know, definitely take it in with context. Uh, I I think also with Connor, because he's a podcaster himself, he's a great storyteller. He's also a teacher and he's also a journalist. He lives in Ho Chi Minh City, so it was very easy for him to pop over to the Condau Islands to take advantage of this short break. Uh, but I think uh, for everybody listening, I really want you to just get some insights into what to expect there Uh, when you start planning how much time you may want to spend there if you do want to go at all. Let's welcome Connor to the program. Hello, Connor Kelly. Welcome to the What About Vietnam podcast. Hey, how are you? We were just having a quick chat before this around the fact that we're both podcasters and we sort of both know what's coming next, but I'm hoping you'll allow me to kind of uh, go all over the place with our subject as we're going to talk about a holiday or a short break you took uh, at um, the con- or on the Condau Islands. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now I'm willing to kind of go into as much detail as I can from my personal experience and looking forward to sharing it because still to the this day, it's probably my favorite spot in Vietnam and maybe ever just due to its complexity and beauty. So I'm looking forward to diving into it. That's a big statement saying, you know, best place ever. And because there's so many other beach uh, resorts and beach destinations in Vietnam, for it to stand out amongst all of those, that's that's a big call. So firstly, tell us how how did you come to the decision to go there in the first place? Well, it was one of those ones where you discuss with your friends where to go as say a vacation or a short break. And I'd been to places like Da Nang, Nhe Trang, Moine, Phu Quoc. And the reason why Condau stands out is because, for example, all of those beaches I personally think if I was to go to them and not know where I was, for example, like somebody brought me there blindfolded, I I would probably, you know, get them mixed up. Whilst Condau was something completely different. And I think the main reason I use that is because of the the amount of litter that's on the other places, the lack of, I say lack of as if it's a bad thing. The, it's good that there's no litter in Condau, the crystal clear waters, etc. And so I think when I was actually arranging to go, I probably can't take too much credit because I went with some female friends and they were much, much better at organizing than I was. So they did their research, explained to me the hidden gem aspect and said, it's better than, let's say, a standard holiday to Netrang or Fuwak. Why not give it a try? To which I jumped at the opportunity. So that's really how it came about. Okay. So... You're right when you say hidden gem because it it's really only come on the radar for tourists, I think, really just pre-COVID. It was starting to, to get some attention. And, you know, it certainly comes up in breezes of conversation, but it never as a standout. And for me personally, I always saw it as I have to have a lot of money to go there. <laughs> Like, you know, that Six Senses resort was really the standout thing about the place. And apart from that, the views from those windows and the sandy beaches and the beautiful lush hillsides, et cetera, I I had no other perspective. And I don't even know why I didn't look into it more thoroughly. So I'm curious, what was your what was your first impressions? Because you've been to the Natrangs, you've been to the Danangs and you've been to the other places. So when when you went and arrived, what what was your first impression then? Mm, I think it was probably shock because the airport was probably smaller than my office, which really struck me. I thought, wow, this is really quite bizarre. And upon that, I rang the hotel that we'd booked to order as a taxi. And it was just no English, no English, get another taxi. So I said, okay, cool. So then I went to the taxi and said, taxi here, no English. I said, okay. So I got out my phone and did the whole come to this location. And then it hit me, nobody speaks English on this island, which already gives it a different feel to say your Fuwaks and the Trangs because generally you will find English speaking. There are lots of uh, expat communities there already. As it's touristy, that will be something they accommodate too. But this didn't seem to have anything. It seemed very authentic Vietnamese. So I thought, okay, this is my first view. And then driving through the mountains or, well, not necessarily the mountains, the windy roads leading up to the town center of Condau, 
thought this is you know something slightly different middle of nowhere didn't see any bikes really only say two or three and then upon arriving just how quiet it was it almost gave me a you know a bit of a bit of a shock as in thinking why does nobody know about this and is this like mysterious and then from exploring and my research, I was aware of the historical influence of Condal, perhaps in previous times in Vietnam. So maybe it still has that connotation as a, like a war island. <laughs> Who knows? But my, my first impression was, I don't know, it's like a mix of mystery, but also but mystery, curiosity, and also, I guess, awe. Because some of the things I was seeing in terms of just the sunset, the beaches, the mountains, the desertness of the whole place it it seemed to hit in quite a positive way so that's what my first impression was and it's a good thing you bring up because i think um certainly uh coming out of ho chi minh city to the quietness of that island would be a shock in itself like it's only a 45 minute flight also isn't it like it's it's yeah. short and sweet yeah, uh, i i already knew about the airport not being of any grand scale, <laughs> and I also knew that there was very little English spoken there. So you're right, the the island hasn't really been geared up for high-level tourism. Like, you know, there's no buses arriving and, you know, uh, that real over-tourism kind of feel to it at all, which is what I understood. But I'll, I'll tell you how it was put to me by someone else. Um, they said, look, it's absolutely beautiful, it's absolutely pristine, but past a couple of days you've got to be really imaginative and innovative in what you're going to do. Otherwise, there's nothing. It's just it's quiet, it's serene, but if you get bored with that after a while, um, you've really got to start to look further afield. And, I mean, you've already mentioned uh, the war side of it and the prisons and, you know, we can go into that in a bit more detail. So, so yeah, I mean, I can understand and totally relate to what you said about the no English, it's quiet, like does anybody really know I'm here? Um, how, how am I going to function as a tourist? Because there's some things that I think as a tourist we we still want to have as kind of creature comforts uh, to know that, you know, there's an ATM if I need cash or, you know, like kind of really basics. And when you get to some of these places, they're kind of the first things you think about. Well, you know, how am I going to get around and, you know, how am I going to do things in this place? So from what I understand, accommodation-wise, on, there's either on the beach itself or it's more back closer to uh, the town, Conson. Is that right? Yeah, I believe so. We ended up going past all of the six senses and resorts that were five stars and ended up luckily finding a place we, we booked in advance that was of, I guess, normal pricing. I think it was still quite expensive than what you would get in another place, but it, was, it wasn't extortionate. It was reasonable, shall we say. So would that be like a four-star place four or a three-star or? Uh, if I remember correctly, it was a three-star. It was almost you know, a standard like hotel room with a balcony, which was fairly nice, TV, et cetera. But it was a far cry, I guess, from the resorts that come up straight away, like your six senses, et cetera, which are slightly further away from, say, the main town center. The main town center, I think you could still get 
places like hostels. It's just you have to realize they don't speak English, so it will be a bit of a tricky one. I still remember just little things like asking for a motorbike took, I think, 10 minutes even with Google Translate when in other places it's just motorbike, yeah, 120 for the day there you go so little bits like that but we went we ended up in like a three-star one i believe in the town center so it suited well all right so you were there five days so i'm curious what were some of the things you decided to do to take in the island Mm, well we had an itinerary which was good because i concur with that point that after the first couple of days once you get completely i guess once the the novelty wears off that you're on this beautiful mysterious island you could get bored. And we, we had a bit of a weird situation, to be honest with you, where we ended up, it's, it's a strange one. Our flights got rearranged on the way back without them telling us. So somehow this situation like transpired where the flight had already been, but we had to get back and they hadn't told us. So it was all a bit up in the air. And with that, I ended up getting stuck on the island for a bit longer, which was great. <laughs> the others went home. So that worked, that's when it hit me that, wow, yeah, because I'm now stuck on this island, well, stuck, I mean, I could go home two days later. That means that, oh, what do I actually do? And as I was thinking mm. about what I will actually do, I thought, mm, I'm probably just going to sit on the beach, read a book, have some coffee, you know, very basic things, which was great, don't get me wrong, but I was thinking, yeah, if I was here for an extended period, that's all I could really do. For We had our itinerary, like going back to what I mentioned, which was to go snorkeling, then was to go hiking, then was to visit the museum and the prisons. And that was really about it. Um, I'm sure there are other things we could have done, but fitting it into like our period where we could also have beach time, there we go. So yeah, I would certainly agree with that. We definitely you know, got to see little bits and we spoke to locals who had to develop their English. I was lucky enough to interview our tour guide for my podcast, which was amazing. But yeah, after a while, you can get slightly bored shall we say and i probably wouldn't want to go solo because i think the beauty of the trip is experiencing this incredible place with people whilst if you're just by yourself it's you can feel very isolated because as you mentioned a great phrase nobody knows you're here so it can be isolating and probably lacking in stimulation because there aren't many activities quote unquote there are a few bars that we managed to find but not very, say, expat populated, that you wouldn't be able to interact. I think I counted five foreigners the whole time I was there, which, in, which as I'm saying it now, sounds like a lot because it didn't feel like there was even five. Like, I, I was looking around thinking there's no one. So it's a bit of a strange one. Yeah, and, you know, I've only been to a few places in Vietnam where I've looked around and I've gone, and, and you know, because I've got blonde hair, and I would I would look around and I'd go, I think I'm the only white person here. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and I, I get the feeling that Condau is a little bit similar. And people say, oh, you know, when you see the photos and all the rest of it, you go, well, why aren't more people going? And I think we've actually hit the nail on the head. And that is it's not super geared for, you know, trendy bars on the beach. It, you know, it doesn't have an entertainment aspect to it kids wise you know they've got to really be into snorkeling and maybe watching the turtles and and doing that maybe some hiking and and things like that um but there's no kind of artificial aspects to it to add on an another layer it is i think 
you know, in a good way, are still pretty raw. And I think if you're into that rawness and that untouched aspect, that is what you would enjoy. But as far as, you know, a lengthy stay, it would be depending if if you really wanted, you know, like a, a wellness aspect to your stay where you really do want real quiet and whatever, you'll definitely get it there. I mean, I don't know, I was going to ask you about roosters, whether they still woke you up, but I don't think you're going to get karaoke bars and, and things like that or, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. I mean. None of that stuff. It was very much like the rawness was its appeal not for anything like touristy. Yes, exactly. So as far as those things to to do were concerned, um, can I kind of break down a, a couple that I'd just like to know a little bit more about? So there is a national park and I believe the national park is quite beautiful and, you know, teeming with wildlife uh, and that is concerned. Did you decide to, you know, go and venture through that and do some hiking or was there any interest in that while you were there um i think we were trying to we were trying to find say an official hike to do to go with the wildlife but for some reason we weren't able to perhaps the tour guides weren't available i can't exactly remember but we found someone to take us trekking which i mean it has its similarities to a point and then once we ended up going through the trek and getting to the top of the mountain quote unquote even though it wasn't say an official mountain we then had snorkeling which was something we'd done the day before so it wasn't like like snorkeling is great so it's not like oh here we go have to snorkel again but it was like okay snorkel again just because it's it's there um in terms of the hiking and experiencing the wildlife that's not something that we did i guess the official way but we did some trekking right so on the snorkeling side of it did you decide to go out because i think it uh, there's about 16 islands that kind of constitutes condow islands from a plural sense um is there any kind of people that can take you out to some of the other islands and, you know, can you do some snorkelling at other places? Because I do believe the the coral and the sea life is quite quite amazing. Yeah, we were brought out to a few of the surrounding islands, which I wasn't too familiar with. And there's a, there's a small boat that does that for you where you have the Vietnamese who all bring you and they'll be, say, within five to six people and then your crowd and they take you from island to island you do your snorkeling and then it's rounded off by relaxing on a beach not too far away um the actual experience of that would have been amazing except for the fact that the waves were extremely rough on that particular day and a lot of people were getting sick <laughs> so it was i guess you know slightly mixed where you'd be getting bumped around uh, <laughs> the oh, waves right. were crazy mm. people was getting sick but except for that you know, if I was to dilute, like, for example, when the water was calmer, it was amazing. It was just on that note, it was a bit wild. But that's what happens. You know, you can be brought around by the Vietnamese when you go there. I guess also for historians and, and for people who want to delve back into the history of Vietnam, uh, certainly the island holds a lot of... Um, I guess some brutal history uh, to do with the the prison and and definitely the way political prisoners were treated uh, in such a brutal way in the prison. So it's it's become quite famous. Uh, I understand for that. Did you decide to go and have a look at the prison or the cemetery or the museum? Yeah, uh, all of the above. We thought we'd have a look just to, I guess, 
get some historical impact. That's one reason, just to see what it's about. But the second reason is, going back to what we mentioned earlier, we'd done the trekking and the snorkeling, thought, what else is there by the beach? So let's try this. So it was a, a combination of factors. But upon going there, it was um, it's a strange one because I've been to the war museums in Ho Chi Minh and Hanoi, and I'm sure somewhere else, however, it's probably Condor, that's probably what's in my mind. So I don't think it differed enormously from those two to be honest with you maybe if i had to give like a distinction you actually went into the rooms like the chambers that were used and there are statues and exactly what happened so if you go up close and personal it can be a bit slightly brutal slightly harrowing especially if you try and empathize empathize with what was happening say hundreds of years ago so it's a yeah, it's a strange one. Uh, they, they, that's definitely kind of the distinction. In terms of the museum, yeah, again, it was fairly similar to the ones you get in Ho Chi Minh and Hanoi. There was some slight, you know, I guess more historical context about the actual island and what that was used for, which was interesting because I guess I wasn't previously familiar with it. And it does explain, I guess, the mystery of the place where if I speak to Vietnamese, some of my Vietnamese friends about Con Dao, that's the first thing they say. It's not how beautiful the beaches are. It's not about the scenery. Mm. It's always, oh, yeah, the war place. So I do think it has that kind of spooky feel about it still, which can deter locals. But expats may not be so, I guess, put off by that because of a different, say, generation. So that's really what it was. Uh, they're all fairly near each other, to be honest with you, and not too expensive to go. I think within 50 to 100K. So I'm fairly near the beach. So. It's easy to explore and check out. That was my interpretation. Yeah, and I mean, it was a dark place to go for me when I went into to do some serious reading on those prisons and and just uh, you know how the French um, built the prisons and and what they were used for, right up up to and including the American War. So, you know, um, yeah, that was that was a, a dark area of. Um, discovery I guess about the island but certainly as you say I think it does have that stigma and I think it's possibly one of the reasons that uh, Vietnam hasn't uh, decided to consider it or promote it to to its own people. Getting on to the other things to do um, can you talk to us about, you know, food? Like, was there any kind of cute restaurants or did you kind of move amongst hotels to, you know, get some different aspect of food? Because, you know, I'm thinking in my head also that that could have been an interesting delving experience. Mm. Yeah, and this is where I <laughs> I feel slightly embarrassed because usually when I will go to a new place in Vietnam, I'll I'll do some research beforehand on say certain types of food that you must get from there, for example. And upon coming to Con Dao, I was really just curious of what it was, and it was at a point of my Vietnam journey where I hadn't been here. I think I can't remember. I think well, I say I hadn't been here that long. I'd been here about a year, uh, so that's long enough. But upon going, I um. I remember thinking, oh, what is different about Condal Vietnamese food? And I, I was almost just looking at the menu and choosing what I would choose everywhere else. And I also, um, I had this tradition when I was younger, I say younger in my Vietnam journey, where I would 
look for great Western spots abroad. So not abroad, but in just different tourist destinations, just to, I guess, familiarize myself where if I'm on holiday, I can, I guess, treat myself a bit more. So there were some amazing Western places in Kondal, which surprised me. It really surprised me, actually, because I thought that the whole vibe would be very Vietnamese orientated. But I think that was recommended by a friend of a friend. So that's how it all came about. But in terms of the Vietnamese food cuisine there, I'd probably say the seafood. The seafood was, it was up there. It was the first meal we had. I remember checking in, doing the hotel, going towards there and unsurprising, I suppose. But that was, yeah, that was definitely something. I mean, it was quite expensive for what you got, but overall the palate was decent. It is. Being an island, you would think the seafood would have to be good. Mm, yeah, like absolutely. if it's not going to be good <laughs> there, like where, where is it going to be good? So so that that's that's good to hear. So, Connor, would you say five days was long enough or too long or something in between? Um, probably just about enough, if not too long. I would advocate three or four days, to be honest with you. I think that's enough time to be amazed by the beauty, also see everything and not get too bored. Yeah, and that's been my feeling as well as far as when people have asked me, you know, about a side trip from Ho Chi Minh City and as, you you know, we've talked, there's Nha Trang, there's Munei, there's Phu Quoc, and, of course, there is um, uh, Kandao. But as far as how long, uh, I really am glad you've said that because, you know, I'm like you, I I can get just totally overwhelmed with the you know, the white beaches, the sunsets, you know, the long cool drinks, the, you know, but, but by day three, I'm starting to get a bit, bit itchy feet and I'm going, mm, okay, so kind of what's next? Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad you've kind of um, married that up for me. I'm also told by uh, my travel company that best time to go is sort of March to September would be, would that be right for you? You mentioned the waves and I have heard out of season, those waves can get quite, quite big and it can be quite turbulent. So do you still think March to September is the best time or later or earlier? Yeah, definitely. Because if it rains, I feel like (laughs) Condal suddenly loses an enormous amount of its appeal in terms of the activities you can do and the scenery it would lose a huge part of that. So definitely, if you are thinking, I would advocate going at that time. I know a friend who went in Tet Holiday, I think. I think it was Tet Holiday. Um, but for some reason, the weather Which was... Just February, March. Yeah. yeah. And it was just nothing. So yeah, go around that time, I'd recommend. Is there any kind of must-dos or must-don't-dos? Like... You know, is there anything kind of to be warned people should be aware of? I mean, you mentioned some of the aspects of not speaking English. I think that was that was good to mention that there isn't going to be that hospitality trend in Vietnam where most people in hosp- hospitality have got some level, you know, good of, of English to get around. But do you have any, like, you know, beware of, I've heard maybe you need to bring repellent for sand flies. Apparently the sand flies are pretty raucous on the beaches. Mm. 
Um, anything you should be aware of. A good book. Yeah, Make sure <laughs> definitely bring good books. Yeah, yeah. I'd say definitely do that. Definitely bring some good books. Um, yeah, be or bring aware. a good podcast. There's one. Yeah, exactly. There's an yeah. idea. Download yeah. a good podcast. Yeah, yeah. I have some recommendations. I'm sure. Yeah, make sure you're in good company, which I'm sure you already would have planned. You mentioned just about the uh, the flight issue coming back. Did you book that directly with the airline or did you go through with your friends and that through a travel agent or how did did you actually go around booking it? I meant to ask. Mm, A good question. I I think it was through Viva Vivu. I think so. But I can't remember if it was their fault or the airline's fault that we weren't informed. But um, yeah, that's another thing I should have mentioned actually. Uh, The flights can be tricky. There's only three or four a day, both to and from there at very awkward times. I don't. I think the latest is say two p.m. So it's not one of those where you can say go for a weekend where you'll go on Friday night and come back Sunday night, which I've done with say mm. Danang. That can't really happen. So it's a tricky one. I'd say with flights, yeah, that makes it slightly more awkward. So be aware of that. In comparison to Natrain uh, Fuqua. Munay, you would still rate it as number one beach escape? Number one beach escape, yeah. And the reason is just because of how beautiful it was, as in the untouched waters, the beautiful sand, the weather, etc. In terms of, I guess, if you want to escape to you know, go partying, for example, for a week or so, or <laughs> yeah, have like a real westernized spot, then go to Fuwak. But I think Kondao is a beach escape, number one. Brilliant. Thank you for listening. Check out the episode notes for more information. What about Vietnam? Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review and stay tuned for more fun adventures in Vietnam. What about Vietnam? Vietnam.